Well, let's get started. If you're uh, joining us this morning online, we're glad to have you. Appreciate you uh, spending a few moments with us today as we look into God's Word. Got a couple of Sundays left, and we've got a lot of chapters in John, uh, and I probably won't even go to John next week, so it's kind of like, where do you want to finish up? I was at uh, a place where it just seemed natural to go to John 13, and because I could kind of highlight everything I wanted to there and uh, pull John's theme together for us in that passage and also give us a, a challenge, I think, from that particular passage of Scripture. So we're going to look at that. Uh, John 13 is where we'll be in a minute. God's economy is a little bit different than ours, isn't it? I mean, if you look at however the world's doing things or whatever the world thinks is the way to do it, um, when you open the Bible, you're going to see that's probably not the way that God says to do it. Uh, and there is so many illustrations of where he just turns your world upside down. Uh, starting with, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We spend our life looking for the, all these things to be added unto us in a million different ways, but never in seeking first the kingdom of God. Well, this morning is one of those kinds of things where, again, he turns the whole world upside down. In our world, we talk about money and power and status and all of that uh, as something that we crave for ourselves. Because if we can get to that place where we have those, then what happens is that other people serve us and we don't have to be serving them. And you say, well, no, Rick, that's not us. I really have a servant's heart. That's not at all who I am, right? You know, and I, you hear people in the medical profession, you know, I went into this because I wanted to serve people. I wonder how far that service would go if they didn't get paid for a couple of months, you know? Uh, some of you are going, yeah, some of you are going, no, they'd all be there, you know, six months later working for nothing, right? Okay. Um, there's a real sense in all of us probably ask that about our, or we should at some point ask that about our lives. Um, I know in ministry, I've done that. If the church quit paying me tomorrow, because there was a time I didn't know if we were going to get paid here, you know. Uh, it was pretty rough times when we first got here. And uh, the question was, what are you going to do? And uh, Lori and I decided, well, I'll find a job somewhere and keep doing what I'm doing at church as much as I can. It's just something that I felt called to. Um, service or not, it was definitely in my life, it was something I was called to. And so it was, uh, even if it wasn't your vocation, it was something that you were going to be, you know, you were going to be into. So as you look at the idea of service, and you think about it from the standpoint of where we're going with this passage of Scripture, I guess... I guess I have a pretty low view of mankind when it comes to this. Uh, really, how many, maybe one in a hundred people that you'll meet really is a kind of guy who has a servant heart that's selfless, that just does for others out of love, right? How many people do you know like that? And once you get outside the kingdom of God, there's not, you just don't see that at all. Uh, maybe, you know, like Jesus said, that for a good man, one would die, one would give up something. But as a general rule, as a lifestyle and pattern, that's not who people are. We want people to serve us. And so anyway, I, as I thought about this, just in pulling my thoughts to it in the beginning stages, I was drawn to Mark 10, the 35th verse, 
It says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus, and then he what do you want? Or what do you want me to do for you then? Jesus asked him. Um, they replied, let one of us sit on your right hand and the other on the left in glory. Now, that's a pretty selfless request, isn't it? <laughs> you know? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said, well, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right and my left is not mine to be granted or not to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten, the other disciples heard this, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who regard, who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm telling you, servants are hard to come by. People that don't care about position and power and clout and all of that, they're hard to come by. Service is just not in our nature. Think about it for a minute. Service interrupts your life. It's not convenient. Human need doesn't let me schedule it ahead of time. Right? And we're all good with interruptions especially if we're doing something we really want to do right service is usually messy because people don't usually call us to come over in an emergency and help them help us polish their diamonds right you know i mean you're usually walking into messy life situations it's costly you're going to spend some time you're going to you're going to spend some energy. You may spend other resources that you have in service to people. You get the idea. So let's look at the text today. Because I think it really challenges us uh, in the area of service to reach even beyond uh, the ideas of what the world thinks about service to getting to a place where we understand service from the standpoint of the kingdom of God. So let's kind of walk through it. It was just before the Passover feast that Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal had been served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. I love that verse. I highlighted that, you know. I mean, there's something about knowing who you are and where you stand with the Heavenly Father that allows you to get dirty. That allows you to get messy in service to people. And if you don't know that, uh, who you are, you'll have a hard time with that because you'll think that this is demeaning or this is something else uh, that has a, a connection to your self-esteem. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I, I actually was... Uh, working with um, a mission pastor that we had one time. He was a man that was a few years older than me. And uh, we were talking about 
some things you know that he could do there uh, and uh, some things maybe that we as a church could do with him also to help him out because he was struggling a little bit. And at one point, I don't know if he didn't like my attitude or what, but he told me, he said, I'm, I'm not your servant. And he didn't say it like that. He had some southern twang with it. And, and I'd tell you what he said, but she's recording it, okay? And that would take us off of Facebook, all right? So I'm not going to do that. But that was the idea. And I remember looking at him and saying, well, I think we can still make this work because I don't mind being your servant. I mean, this was a guy we were we were supporting, coming alongside, trying to help. And he had a problem because he was the mission start, and I was the pastor of the bigger church, I guess. He's just like, I'm not your servant. And uh, I don't know. Uh, we just have a natural tendency to do that. If you know who you are, though, it'll help you overcome stuff like that. Because his relationship as pastor of that church and my relationship as mother, as pastor of the mother church did not define our relationship. And it didn't define who he was in relationship with me or who I was in relationship to him. What defined that? We were brothers in Christ. Right? And if you know who you are, then you're in a position that you don't have to be fighting those, those kinds of battles. You know, it's just what we do. That they had, and he had, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Let that, let that just soak in for a minute as to what it was in that moment. They were eating a meal, and they didn't sit at a table like we do. At least it's my understanding that they kind of laid down to eat. They were, you know, uh, the picture you see of the Lord's Supper is probably not how it happened. And uh, they, they were in such a way around the table that the rule, no shoes, no shirt, no service, was a really good idea, all right? Um, because, you know, you were in the close proximity and sometimes not too far from the other guy's feet. When you came into a place, a servant or a slave would have washed your feet and washed your feet as you sat down then uh, in the place or came into. I kind of think of it like uh, some people like us, you just walk through the house with your shoes on and other people, you got to go through the front door and take your shoes off, right? Uh, it's, it's a kind of a cleanliness deal. And yeah, if you don't want to mop your floor every day, it's probably a good idea to take your shoes off, you know? And if you've got a white carpet, it's probably a good idea. And there's a reason just attached to cleanliness that restaurants used to put those kind of signs up, right? And so just from a practical standpoint, it would have been a good thing to have the feet washed. Now, which one of the disciples is going to wash the, the, the feet that day? Based upon the prior conversation that we just read about in Mark, I'm thinking probably it would have been Peter or James and John since they were the ones that had asked, right? For the right and left hand, they're the ones certainly that are going to come. You know what? I'm going to be sitting next to Jesus, so let me wash your feet today, right? I mean, you get this, nobody's washing feet. 
And there was a practical need that needed to take place. And it was a job that servants did and not even Jewish servants. Jewish slaves were not supposed to wash people's feet because that was below the Jews. And so it had to be another kind of slave, a Gentile slave that did that. So this was a low thing. Okay, but just put yourself there. And I, and I tried to think of, a, of an image somehow that I could pull from that would make us grab the gravity of this. Like, what would be a situation that you would have ever been in where you were in the presence of somebody that you felt like was such greatness that it would have absolutely annihilated you had they got up to serve you in some fashion? And, you know, there is... Do what? Did you actually have one? I couldn't think of one. This is... This is the quintessential illustration to me. You got the son of God that you've been walking with. You know what I'm saying? You don't, I can't think of a, anybody that we should want to serve more than that. And yet in this situation, in this position, what's happening? Nobody's even thinking of that. And this guy gets up and starts washing your feet. I just let that sink in a minute. And Dan, you're the first one he comes to. How are you going to feel about that? And, and then he gets to feel, or to uh, rich. Then what, 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 do you, what are you going to say? And he gets to Josiah. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? And then he gets to Preston. He's washing his feet. What are you going to say? Well, bless his heart, Peter finally said something. You know what I'm saying? I imagine they were just like y'all, just in a daze, you know. He's washing my feet. They probably didn't have a, they, they didn't, they were confused. They were stunned. They were overwhelmed by this. But when he gets to Peter, Peter opens his mouth. You know, Peter's always opening his mouth. And you got to love Peter. you got to love this because the, the, the exchange that follows then is so important for us to be able to understand the passage. I mean, we might have walked away from it and just said, wow, Jesus was a servant. He washed their feet that day. And none of this real teaching would have taken place that took place. But you've got to love old Simon. In that moment, what does he do? He came to Simon Peter who said to him, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. You don't realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. You mean you're not just washing feet? Is it going to be later after my feet are clean? No. It's way later that he's going to understand. Jesus is teaching them something here that he wants them to get, which is included in John's gospel because there's something here he wants us to get. That we would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, and that we would have life in his name. Now, I present to you a case, I think, that maybe Peter's understanding of the Messiah was still a little short. You say, well, how could that be? You know, he'd been walking with Jesus. He's already, they've already said he's a man of faith, right? And he's, he's made some powerful state, faith statements. Lord, where else can we go? You're the one who has the words of truth. And then he comes right around and the Lord's saying to him, get behind me, Satan. Lord, I, you're not going to die. No, come on. Lord, you need to put that thought out of your mind. My wife does that to me all the time. You need to put that thought out of your mind, right? And Jesus says, you know what? 
get behind me, Satan. And before that old cock crows three times, you're going to be running away crying, weeping because you've denied me. <laughs> What's going on? His understanding of the Messiah is not complete. But it will be later. And later, what I'm doing now is going to be really significant, Peter, because you're going to be able to understand and see this in a different light. And it's going to add understanding, a great depth of understanding to what you're going to understand at that point about me as the Messiah. And it worked that way. It did. But if old Peter hadn't opened his mouth, we would have missed somebody saying, look ahead, look ahead, look ahead. And then look back and you'll be able to make real sense of this. But Peter couldn't get beyond that moment. And so Peter said, uh, where are we at here? Uh, Verse 8, there it is. No, he said, you shall never wash my feet. Let me try again. No, he said, you shall never wash my feet. Okay. Okay. I need to set something up for you because this is essential for us to understand servanthood. And this is essential for us to understand what's going on here. There was a woman at Bulverde I met one time, and I went and visited. And this one always stuck out in my, in my mind because I, I met a lot of people in similar kinds of situations as far as not being able to articulate really what their need was. But this one was uh, beyond me. She had uh, been abandoned by her family. She was just about to lose her home. Difficult, hard times had hit her because of health issues. She wasn't able to work anymore. And she was... Uh, she wasn't starving, but she was approaching that. She didn't, she didn't have any, any food when I went up to visit her. And uh, I went up to see her, and you could tell she hadn't eaten in a while. She was starting to become looking anorexic. Um, she was uh, in all of these situations that I've talked to you about, and I asked her, I, I said, okay, look. I said, I'll do my very best to help you out here, but I said, I need to know what is your most urgent need. And you know what she told me? Dog food. Dog food. And I looked around, she had a couple of big dogs. And then as I talked to people later on, I found out that lots of people had given her food, she fed it to the dogs and didn't eat herself. Woman didn't really know what her biggest need was, was it? Destroyed relationships with family, loss of job, losing her health, losing her home, and her biggest need was dog food. Now, either I missed something in that situation or there was a bigger need going on there. The dogs would not have been a problem for me. I would have already eaten them in her situation. Okay? I'm sorry. Is that a little too redneck for some of you? Amen. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah. I'm telling you, we don't know what we need. So we had this great idea. We'll just invite them in, have a Bible study, feed them lunch, you know, and our Bible study this week will be, y'all just share with us your needs so that we can then make a list of those so that we'll know how to meet your needs. So we brought the women in and said, look, what do you need from us as husbands? 
You know, what, what needs could we help you with? What needs could we serve you in? And you know, we, we got a list. You know, you know what was on the list? Nothing. They didn't know. Rose, you were part of that meeting. And, and Lori was, and we walked away. We didn't have a list. They didn't even know what they needed. And so we went home thinking, well, we get an A+. Plus. We must have met all their needs then if they don't have any. Right? So I thought, okay, look, maybe Lori didn't say anything because it was a group setting. So I went home and I said, okay, tell me, is there needs that, 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 that you have that I could serve you with? And, and you know, no. She couldn't come up with any. We're a mess. I expect you to meet my need and I don't even know what it is. Hmm? It does sound about right, doesn't it? It really does. Well, thank God for D. Duke, you know, because we went to a seminar and he told us what our wives' needs were. <laughs> and so we could tell our wives what, our, what their needs were. And then we could serve them. And it worked out really cool. And you think, well, that's crazy. Well, no. Maslow has to tell the rest of the world, right? They don't even know the hierarchy of their needs. It's crazy. Okay, so what did D give us? Well, here's, some, here's what he gave us. They need security. They need honor. They need romance. They need significance. They need communication and understanding. They need unity and they need love. Amen. That's good stuff. Man, we did Bible studies on all of those, and we were the best husbands in the world till the Bible studies ended, you know. Because <laughs> you, you know how you got to have it on the front burner. Okay, now let's get back to the story for a minute. Let's get back to the narrative. What was Jesus doing in this moment? I don't know if the disciples were even aware of their need. If they were, they'd blocked it out. And if Jesus had gone around that table that day and said, what's your greatest need? Nobody would have said dirty feet. They didn't even know. And I'm telling you, we are serving a lost mankind that doesn't even know their greatest need. And the greatest need that anybody has, bar none, is this. They need a right, restored relationship with God the Father that we lost. In the Garden of Eden. And if you're not restored back with God, then you got nothing. We need restoration. We need forgiveness of sin. We need to be set right with the Heavenly Father. That, they don't even know it, but that's their biggest need. There's a lost and dying world out there that'll tell you, I want dog food. And you're going, you're going to hell. You need something way more than dog food. And we give them dog food, hoping that we can take them to the place to bring them to see their real need. But you've got to be careful giving away dog food. Jesus came. He left heaven. He set aside that kingly position that he had, if you can, and then return to it later on, but that he had there with the Father. And in this moment, he set aside his garments and he put on a towel and he served them. Then he picked up that, that garment again, put it back on, and he sat down and he took his place. And there may be a picture there of the work of our Heavenly Father 
But Jesus left heaven and came here and became incarnate in human flesh because he wanted to serve us. And to serve mankind because he loved mankind, he did something astounding. He met our biggest need. In my love for you, disciples, I'm going to meet your greatest need. And, and I am going to die on Mount Calvary for your sins. I am going to raise again on the third day. And in that process, I am going to open a door for you, for your sins to be forgiven, for God's justice to remain intact, and for you to be restored again to a right relationship with God. And Peter says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And, the, and Jesus says, says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. If you reject my service to you, Peter, guess what? You won't be a part of the things of the kingdom of God. I'm going to go and I'm going to die on Mount Calvary. And I'm going to give my life for yours. And if you reject that service that I'm trying to give to you to restore you to a right relationship with the Heavenly Father, you're out. You look at it and he says... Well, then wash me all over, Lord, if that's what it takes. He wasn't understanding it. And he said, no, you're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. What's he talking about? Faith is progressional. Peter had a faith. Peter had a faith in the Messiah as the Son of God. What was that faith going to do when he saw him on the other side of the cross? There are people who will not come to Jesus because they will not believe in a resurrection. Well, yeah, he might have been the son of God. Or, yeah, he might have been a good man. Or, yeah, he might have been a misunderstanding of who he is as the Messiah. And your understanding of me is not finished yet, Peter. There's a step of faith you're still going to have to make. You're going to have to, yeah, you've got faith, but you're going to have to embrace this Messiah that you haven't yet. Because you're telling me, no, you're not going to go there. No, you're not going to do this. No, I'm not going to deny you. Get behind me, Satan. You ain't got it yet. You're going to have to make this quantum leap of faith at the resurrection. And he did. And what did he say? You're going to look back and understand that I did something for you in service to you on Mount Calvary. That met your greatest need. And if you reject that, you're in trouble. And why did I do this? I did this because I loved you. And as you see me serving mankind, as you see me doing this, that's the example you're supposed to follow. And when you embrace that on the other side, that's how you're supposed to love this world. Now, if we had let the disciples define the way Jesus was going to serve, we would have had a different Messiah. And he would have fallen way short of the service that would have met our biggest need. Now, track with me on this. There are a lot of people in this world that are going to be more than happy to tell you how to serve them to meet their biggest need. 
so that you can help them when in reality all you're doing is destroying and enabling. You have to get your directions from God as to how you're going to serve in this world. That's an important step. This service was in obedience to the Heavenly Father. To meet a need they didn't even know they had. That's the service that God's called us to. And a lot of times that service will be rejected. They'll take the dog food. They may not take your Jesus. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the moments that we've had to look into the scripture. And to see here an incredible Bible lesson. As you put aside those outer garments, as you wash the disciples' feet... As you brought us again to your great love and your great work. And as you called us again, as John has done, to believe in the Messiah, the Son of God, for who he is. And that by believing we might have life. In all of this, we thank you. And God, it's our heart's desire that if there's one that's listening to this message and hasn't accepted the work that you've done for their greatest need, that this would be their hour of salvation. That they would say yes to that act of service. To that gift of life. And by faith, they would proclaim you as Lord of their life. Turn from sin, self, and Satan. And worship the Lord. That would be amazing. And that would be only by the power of the Holy Spirit. The transformation and understanding would come. So for those that happened this morning, Lord, let them know this is their hour. We ask it all in Jesus' name.